Um, it's great to be with you here again, um, and uh, I've already been blessed by what we've heard and what we've sung. I'm no longer a child of fear. I am a child of God. Do you know what the definition of fear is? It's belief in something that hasn't happened yet. And, and do you know what the definition of faith is? It's belief in something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> they've both got the same definition, but they're both entirely opposites. So which one are you going to believe and which one are you going to trust in? We're people of faith, not people of fear. Hallelujah. And we need to stand in that faith, uh, especially at this difficult time. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at the Word of God, and um, I'm going to talk to you for a bit, if that's all right. Um, I've got some scripture I'd like to read to you. I say read to you rather than turn to it, because I'm going to sort of um, dart about a little bit, and you might have trouble keeping up with it all. But uh, I'm going to read from the book of Genesis uh, regarding uh, Abraham. And uh, these are some promises which God made to Abraham, which will just sort of start us off on what I want us to look at uh, today. Um, first of all, uh, Genesis chapter 13, this is what God said. Uh, it says, uh, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, sorry, I'm doing the wrong one now, 13. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could measure the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And then in, in Genesis 15, a similar promise is made. Verse 5, he took, that's God, took him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's faith. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And verse 18, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And then just one last scripture, one last promise, which is along a similar vein, uh, chapter 17 and verse um, six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make nations of you and kings come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Hallelujah. Some amazing promises, absolutely fantastic promises, which we know that eventually God fulfilled or is fulfilling. And uh, 
in spite of the fact that God repeated that, it wasn't just three times, there were other occasions we recorded as well where God makes this promise uh, to Abraham and to his descendants. Uh, yet, it took great faith to believe what he had said. He said, wow, how could this possibly be? Something amazing that God has promised for the future. And it took great faith, but it also took time. And I want to talk to you this morning about time and about waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, because there may be promises that God has given to you, and you are still waiting to see those promises happen. And it can be a very frustrating time. Maybe um, God has spoken to you in time past from His Word. Maybe it's something that you heard and you felt that God had something to say to you. Maybe it was a, a prophetic word that was given to you sometime in the past, and you are still waiting for that to be fulfilled. Uh, maybe it's just a persistent prayer that you constantly pray for a particular need or something that you really, really want, and you know that God has heard you because He says that He does in His Word if you are persist in prayer, and yet you still are waiting for the answer to that prayer. I guess quite a few of us are in that kind of situation, aren't we? Whether it's a prayer for loved ones or for a situation that you have within your own life. And uh, I want to tell you this, if those conditions are fulfilled, it will definitely happen. It will definitely happen. God doesn't forget things. In, in fact, actually, there is one thing God does forget. Anybody know what that is? He forgets your sin, yes. Isn't that amazing about God's character? <laughs> that he, he, he knows everything, he can remember everything, he knows all the prayers and everything from millions of people around the world, and yet he forgets sin. He said, I mean, we bring it up sometimes, oh God, I still remember that time I did something wrong, blah, blah, blah. God says, well, I don't remember it. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> God doesn't remember sin, but he remembers every prayer, he remembers every promise, and if we maintain our faith and faithfulness towards Him, He will bring it to pass. It will definitely happen. God does not forget. But often, there are other things that need to take place before we see the fulfillment of the promise. This was certainly true of Abraham. And it's true of us too, that things don't happen immediately. I mean, we like everything instant, don't we? Yeah, we like instant coffee. We like, you know, we can go in the takeaway and have our meal right away without having to bother to cook it and all that stuff. We, we, we want things now, you know. I, I, I don't know if some of you um, know anything about our church in, in Salisbury, um, but um, uh, three or four years after we planted the church, uh, we bought our own building and uh, we deliberately didn't buy a, a, a sort of church building like this. We bought a cafe in the center of Salisbury. And um, we did that deliberately because we didn't want a place that we only used for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. We wanted, we wanted a place that could be used throughout the week. And we, uh, we ran that as a Christian cafe for a number of years. And we used to have our meeting in the room up above. And then I had a little office right on the top floor. And uh, uh, running the cafe was quite an interesting experience. And I remember um, what used to happen was we, we had this uh, lovely cafe manageress, she's still with us now, her name's Coral, 
and uh, she used to be in the kitchen cooking the meals and people would take the orders in and she, she would do this stuff. And then round about lunchtime, often they used to get quite busy and they used to go up and grab me from my office upstairs and they used to say, can you come and help us? And I used to help out the front. had to be the front because I, I know absolutely nothing about cooking. And uh, I'd take the orders and uh, deal, with the, deal with the customers in the cafe. And uh, very often when we were quite busy, I used to have to go into the kitchen and say, table number four, w when is their order going to be ready? And, and Coral used to say to me, she said, uh, oh, it, it won't be long. Uh, and I think to myself, well, well, how long is long? Um, you know, oh, oh it'll, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. It'll, it'll be ready soon. And so I said, well, how soon is soon? You know, is it two minutes or 20 minutes or, you know, what is going on? Like, you know, these people need to know they're on the lunch break and everything. And, and I, it, it's like we, we all want to know when things are going to happen. And uh, it, she, she used to say, well, she was really laid back. She said, it'll happen when it happens. And, and sure enough, it, it, it always happened. <laughs> and it came out when it came out. You know, but we, we, we're anxious, aren't we? We want to, if something has been promised us, if we've, if we've ordered a meal, if we've prayed a prayer, we want to know when we're going to see the answer fulfilled. Yeah. And, and so, hey, Jonathan used to fix our boiler in the cafe, didn't he? <laughs> Remember that, mate, yeah. <laughs> Terry did some work for us there. Great. And those were great times. But, you know, th there's, there's a truth there. There's something there that we need to find the answer to because it takes time to see something happen. Even if we know it's going to happen, it often takes time. We want things now, but there, uh, th there is time that it takes. And so, the, the, the title of my little talk for the next few minutes is The Time It Takes. The waiting time that often we have to go through before we see the fulfillment of what God has already shown to us. And I want to take you through some different stages of that waiting time. Because it, there are certain things that have to happen before we see that fulfillment. And, and the, the first stage is this. I call it starting time. Have we got that? Oh, yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? Starting time, number one. And when Coral used to take these orders, and we used to take them through in the kitchen, very often there were other orders that she was already fulfilling, or there were reasons why she couldn't start cooking that immediately. And so what I've called starting time is, is time before the clock starts even. And so there were other things to do. There were other orders that she was working on. It takes time before the clock starts and we can see progress being made towards its resolution. Well, you know about this, don't you? You know, if you want to go on a journey and it's, a, and it's winter and your car's covered in ice and it won't start, you know, th there is time that it takes to sort that out before you can begin. Yeah, there's always time before things start. It takes 
time before your kids start doing their own work or whatever. You know, there is always a gap between that, that time when things begin to kick off. And the, the prophetic clock does not begin immediately. It doesn't start just yet. And I, I don't know if it's helpful to you, but you see, understand this, that God is outside of our time. And, and time to us, earth time, isn't the same as heavenly time. Now, I find that very difficult to, to get your mind around that. Um, I used to struggle, a lot of people still do, this might be helpful to you. I used to struggle between um, the principle of predestination and the principle of free will. How could they both be true? Anybody else struggled with that? I, I have, you know, can I, you know. And something, uh, and then a little kind of illustration I can give you that helped me to understand that. And it, it's kind of like writing a book. I don't know if any of you have ever written something, if you're an author of a book or anything like that. But if the author of a book knows the plot and knows what he's going to write, he doesn't necessarily write chapter one first. He can write the last chapter first, if he likes. And then he can write chapter one, and he can write the bit in the middle. And, and, and so he can do that in any order, and God can do that. Do you ever read, when you read books, do you read the last chapter first? Find out who did it before it got done. <laughs> My wife's a bit like that. She reads books. She reads historical novels. And I looked at her when we were on holiday. And I, said, I said, oh, you've read that book fast. He said, oh, no, I started in the middle. <laughs> I have to go back and read the beginning later on. <laughs> well, when people write books, they can do it in that kind of way, can't they? And so if you think, because the author of the book is outside the time of the reader of the book. Am I getting this across to you? And so... You know, God's outside of our time, and he knows the end from the beginning. And so this bit about, you know, predestination and everything like that, God gives us free will, definitely. But through his foreknowledge, he predestinates us. Yeah? Whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate, Romans 8. Got it? Is that, that makes sense to you? Because he, know, he knows what we're going to do. And so he says, yeah, we, we'll have that one. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get born again. Amen. And so the, the fact that God is outside the time, outside of our time, I think is a, a helpful concept to us, which might, understand, which might help us to understand why we wait for things. His time scales are totally different from ours. It says in Scripture that, um, a, a day with the Lord, he says, a thousand years, so I'm 90. Yeah. God, God knows all about us, but he's outside of our time. It's not the same. That's why eternity is physically, realistically possible. It's not part of our earthly time scale. It's wonderful. And so we, we, we never know when the process to accomplish something God has shown us will begin. We don't even know that because we've got this starting time. 
God is outside of our own time scale. But the, the second type of time I'd like to talk to you about is what I've called preparation time. Preparation time. You see, those promises we read that God made to Abraham, it took 400 years for them to be fulfilled. That's quite a long time to wait, isn't it? It, it took slightly less time uh, for Coral to make the sandwich in the kitchen. <laughs> but nevertheless, there was preparation time. And, and, and preparation time is actually part of God's plan. And, and God is preparing each one of us through the experiences that we encounter and that we endure. It can be very frustrating and it's not always pleasant. You find that, don't you? The, the pudding comes at the end of the meal. That's the bit, you know, I always used to look forward to anyway. Yeah? I had to eat all the cabbage and all that type of stuff, you know, but look forward to the pudding. Yeah? While the process is going on during this preparation time, it isn't always a nice time. It isn't easy. And for some of us, it's a very long process. There are things that God needs to do in our lives, things that he needs to expose us to, and things, those things are important that we should develop our character and develop in a way that enables him to fulfill his promise in our lives. He needs to prune the branches. You know, the parable that Jesus taught about the, the vine and the branches, John chapter 15. He, you know, there are things that he needs to do in us and to us to, to prepare us for what he eventually wants to do. If we want to be a father or a mother in the church, we need to bring up our own children first. Yeah? If we are to be a leader or a minister, we need experience of life. Secular life, work life. You know, I always find a little difficulty with people that go into the ministry that have never experienced what it's like to work in an office or on a factory floor with folk that don't know Jesus. You know, there are preparation things that often we need to do. And so, we leaders need experience of secular life, domestic life. Have you wondered why most of the pastors are old and gray-headed? Not quite yet. Or have no hair at all? <laughs> yeah? It, why most of them are a bit older? It's because they've had experience of life, serving God, before they can minister to their full potential. And uh, we know that. Paul told Timothy, didn't he? He said, don't appoint novices. You know, someone who's just come to the Lord. You know, don't, don't appoint them. We need people that have maturity because they have allowed God to do that work within their lives. I saw a sticker on the back of a car once, and it made me laugh, actually. It said, hire a teenager while they still know everything. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I don't want to discourage you young people. Stick with it, guys. But sometimes w there, there is a prolonged period of, of preparation. And, and sometimes that preparation is specific. You may need to study. You may need to obtain qualifications. And we must prepare accordingly. It all takes time. Okay? Preparation time. And then the third type of time that we go through very often, I've called testing time. Because if this is a prolonged process, 
there's going to come a point when you start to think, well, did God really say that? And did he really mean what he said? Or, or maybe there's some sort of variation to it, or perhaps it's a little different from what I supposed the outcome would be. And actually, Abraham made this mistake. Abraham and, and Sarah, when they were promised a son to bring about all these descendants and all these lands they were going to possess, they didn't have any kids. How's, how's this going to happen? And so um, they decided that they would help God a bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe God can't fulfill this promise on his own. Perhaps we will help him. And so you've got this situation. Some of you will know the story of how um, Sarah gave to Abraham her maid Hagar uh, so that through Hagar, Abraham would obtain these descendants so that this vast population would grow. And, uh, but sometimes we can be tempted to do similar things and we can perhaps if the time is long, think, oh, well, is God really going to do this? And are we going to remain faithful and have that faith and trust in that promise for all this length of time? After Israel left Egypt on their way to the promised land of Canaan, which we've read about, there were 40 years in the wilderness before they got to the promised land. And they could have got there sooner, if they fully trusted God. But they did not have that faith in what God promised and therefore were consigned uh, to wander in the wilderness. The Bible says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said that it is a people that do err in their hearts for they have not known my ways. Yeah? They failed to trust that promise of God when they were tested about it. And the same can be true of us because if we are away from God, if we are rebelling against Him, then there may be extra time for us to wait until we are ready to see the fulfillment of the promise. Maybe you're in that situation Will God wait? Yes, he will. But there is this extra time and there may be things to be done. Maybe we've made some mistakes in our lives and it's going to take time to recover from that and for us to get back on track. Uh, we used to have a lovely young lady in our church, loved God, uh, etc. Had really felt she had the call of God upon her life, but she made a costly mistake and we've continued to help her and support her but that has set her back significantly in fulfilling the plan that God had got for her life and uh, I don't say you've done that but maybe there are people here that have made mistakes and there may be a need even now for repentance and you think, well, I've blown it now. You know, all those promises that God gave me, those things that he told me I might do in the future, you know, that's the end of it. 
I tell you it's not. God is faithful. It may take some extra time for you to get to where you once were. God forgives sin, but sometimes there are consequences to that. And we have to work through those consequences. And that takes more time. Testing time. Got it? But don't be discouraged because you can get through those times of testing if you return to God and you are faithful to Him. Okay, number four. Thank you. Time to fight. Okay, starting time, preparation time, testing time. Time to fight. Even when the time comes for the promise to be fulfilled, we cannot just sit back and assume that it's going to happen automatically. Because God has promised it, it doesn't just happen. We are going to have to have occasions when we fight for it to see it happen. And the whole book of Joshua is about the battles that it took for them to possess the land of Canaan. All those promises that we read that God had made to Abraham, they didn't just kind of say, yeah, that's fine, you know, we'll just walk into Canaan and all the people there will just sort of roll over or go away or drop down dead or something like that. They had to fight to possess the land that God had promised them. Great victories were achieved. You can read, I think Joshua's a wonderful book, you can read all of that. Great victories with some setbacks in between. It was a fighting time, time to fight. And, and serving God is about fighting battles. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We are not meek and mild little Christians. Oh, yeah, God's going to do this. No, there are times when we've got to get angry. We've got to get excited. We've got to fight some battles. We've got to get violent. Don't think of yourselves as being violent. I don't mean, you know, physically violent, but angry with the enemy that's trying to stop these things happening. And, you know, we've, we've got to take that upon ourselves. And um, sometimes there are things that um, we, we know that God has promised he would do, but we have to set ourselves the task of ensuring that he does them. I, I think a I'll give you an example of that from Scripture because it's quite a good one. Um, in uh, the book of Daniel, um, I think it's uh, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. Um, Daniel is a, a man of God and he sets himself apart. And he's, he says he understood from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah preceded Daniel. He said he understood that the nation of Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. And, and he, he, he got 70 years since then. Oh, let me work this out. Wow, that's about now. And he kind of worked out that, you know, this captivity that the children of Israel had been taken into should be over about then. And, and so rather than just say, oh, that's great, isn't it? You know, we're, you know something's going to happen and we're all going to be free tomorrow and we can all go back to Jerusalem and wherever. He, 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 it says he set his minds to pray and to do something about it and remind God of the promise that he had made for it to be fulfilled. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to fight. And if, if 
you can ask anybody that's achieved great things for God, it never just happens to them. There has to be fighting for it, and you have to set yourself that task of doing that. And what you need to do is you need to remind God of His promise. Say, God, you told me this. This is what you said. I've prayed for this. I've constantly prayed for this. And you said you would answer my prayer. And so, God, I'm telling you now. Tell him. Tell him again. Yeah, this is what you said you would do. Now it's time for that to happen. And we are to remind God of thi those things. And, and prayer is our most important weapon in that respect. Amen. We've got to fight. We can't just sit back and allow these things to happen. I know God's made promises to you as a church, to you as individuals, I'm sure, as well. And you, you cannot just stay still and assume those things will take place. You've got to fight. Amen. I, I maintain that the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. Not this one. I mean, this is great. I mean, I'd love these meetings together and worshiping God and all this stuff. But the hard work is done in prayer. Yeah. And that is where we see things take place. Okay, number five. There are only six of these, so we, we, we're, getting on, we're getting all right. We're getting on all right. Number five, time to hold on. Time to hold on. Even when we've achieved something, we can't just sit back. And if you are a, a student of the Bible and the Old Testament, you will recognize that throughout Old, his, Old Testament history, Israel had to constantly defend the territory that they had inherited. Yeah? What God did through Joshua, there were constantly tribes invading them, the Philistines and the Ammonites and the Moabites and all these others. They said, well, they didn't like the, the Israelites taking all this territory, and they were constantly trying to get after them. And some of that time, um, Israel was successful in defending that. Other times, uh, they let go and they lost what they had received. And it was those times, the, the times when that happened, it was through their lack of obedience and lack of faith. And then ultimately, as we know, that they were totally dispossessed from the land. There was a time to hold on, and they had failed to do that. And I think we can see the parallel or the outworking of that in, in many ministries and in some churches and denominations, that whereas historically God was moving and working with them, working through individuals, working through churches and denominations and different groups, but over the years, things have crept in and they've become more interested in pursuing other issues or whatever than they were in pursuing the purposes of God. And as a result of that, they have failed to hold on and they have slipped back. Many people that were great men of God, even today, don't possess the same level of ministry and gifting as they once did. Many churches that were once thriving and going, really going for God have even closed down because they have failed to hold on. 
uh, in uh, the book of Revelation, Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, he says, hold on to what you've got. Don't let it go. And sometimes there comes a time in every, it, it, as a part of this waiting time, that we've just got to hold on to where we've got. You know, we've got so far, but yeah, I don't want to slip back from here. You know, we've got to hold on. And we need to hold on to those promises that God has given us. Uh, and I've already mentioned this, reminding ourselves uh, of what he has said to us, reciting those promises, whether they've been received through scripture or through words of prophecy or whatever it might be, uh, through our constant prayer and through faith and trust in a God who never fails. We've got to hold on. But then, finally, last one now, number six. Time for more. Time for more. Wherever we are with God, He always has more for us. So, even if you think you've achieved or partially achieved those promises that God has given us, He always has more for us. And here's an interesting fact. All the land that God promised Abraham in those scriptures that we read, we think, oh, that's great, you know, that was all fulfilled and they inherited. Actually, there are parts of the land as described that Israel has never ever occupied. Some of those, the extremities of that geographic territory, Israel has never actually occupied. And however great, however marvelous the promise God has given you, and however much you rejoice in its fulfillment, there is still more to come. There is more in every one of us. And uh, and sometimes you see that there's a break in, in God's earthly timeline. Remember we talked about how God was outside of time? Yeah? And, and so, you know, he can, he can have a sort of like time out. To him, it, the time might be continuous, but to us, we're waiting for things to happen. Have, have you ever read that um, prophecy in Daniel about the 70 weeks? Yeah? 70 weeks means, uh, a week means seven, so it's, it's a prophecy in the same chapter of Daniel that I was just talking about, chapter 9, where, where, where God says that it's going to take 70 weeks or, or 70 times 7 years, 490 years for his purposes to be fulfilled. And we can track that from the time of Daniel and we know that um, this 490-year prophetic preview that Daniel was given, we can say, well, how far have we got through that? Well, actually, we got to a particular point in it, 483 years into it, very specifically, he told us that Messiah would be cut off, so we know that that was the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection, and so there's only seven more years to go. 483 years, that took seven more years to go. But So what happened? Those 70 years haven't happened yet, those seven, those seven years, those seven years are the seven years of the tribulation. They aren't going to happen until the rapture, which might be soon. Yeah? And so we're waiting for that to happen. There's a kind of like a time out 
where and we don't know when it's going to be because Jesus said he, he said he didn't know himself he said only my father knows that and so sometimes there can be this gap in time but beyond that gap there is more and we don't know when that will be but it will always come and it will be because God is faithful and believe this even if you think you have achieved as much for God as you think you are capable of there's still time for more in every life however old and doddery we are and those of us that are over 70 like Vic there's still more hallelujah and I, that blesses me and encourages me greatly because whatever God has promised you and whatever God has done through you there's always more that he wants to do hallelujah so in conclusion God gives us glimpses of the future through the prophetic word through scripture God talks to us I think we could all we all need to receive promises of God for our own lives and for our ministries and those are to encourage us those are so that we understand that God sees potential in us that we would not otherwise aspire to we have a lady in our church and has this attitude where she sort of can confined herself to her abilities and she said and, sh and she's lovely she loves the Lord she wants to serve the Lord but she says oh I'm I'm just a gopher you know I'm just you know you know I'm not you know this is all God's got for me and, and I, I keep telling her and, I, and I, I, I say to her I say you mustn't say that you must not say negative things about your life you know you understand the words we speak have got power haven't they yeah you know you are special you are someone in God God's got more for you and and it's been brilliant because we, we've seen her take this on board and she's doing stuff now that she never thought she was capable of neither did we hallelujah yeah isn't that good because she's aspired to do that and and that's great now those promises don't absolve us from hard work they don't involve us they don't absolve us from struggles from prayer from seeking God for direction all of those things but he is never gonna forget us why the wait the promise is for a purpose if God has promised something if you've prayed for something persistently that's for a purpose the promise is for a purpose and the purpose has a right time you see God revealed to Abraham that he would uh, dispossess the nations from this land and, and he, there's an interesting verse in one of the chapters we first read where, where he said he, he wouldn't dispossess them until their sins had reached a certain level I said the time isn't right yet the, 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 there are things that are outside of your control that have yet to take place and and so the the promise the fulfillment of that promise has a time and that that is the right time for that purpose to be fulfilled we don't know when that's going to be because we got all this stuff to go through first haven't we and so 
there is a reason for the wait. Okay, let me just conclude by trying to apply this to our situation. Um, I, I am aware of, of some of the things that your church here is going through. And I can recognize that there must be a sort of sense of frustration to a certain extent as we look about, you know, what's going to happen in the future? When are we going to appoint a leader? When are we going to move forward in, in, in certain areas that we are struggling with at the moment? But th th there's a frustration in that respect. I don't know whether your leaders sense, I'm sure they do, you sense that frustration. But let me tell you this, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it will happen, and it'll be good, and it'll be in God's time. The right time, it will take place, Terry. It will take place, brother. Be encouraged, because it is going to take place. And if we, if we, don't, do, if, if we don't do a Hagar, you know what I'm talking about now, don't you? Don't do a Hagar, you know, stick with it, wait for God, and he will bring to pass the things that we pray for at the right time. That's just a little word for you as a church. But I want you also to, to take this word on board as individuals. Maybe there's somebody here that has been waiting. Maybe there are a lot of people here that have been waiting for God to do something within their personal lives. Maybe there are people here that have a need for healing. Maybe you need a financial miracle. Maybe you need to restore a relationship. Something has gone wrong in the past and things need to be mended and put right. Maybe you're seeking a relationship. Maybe you're looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Whatever it is that you're seeking God for, God has a right time for it and he will bring it to pass. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've believed that God would do it, and he will. As long as we maintain that faith. We might have to go through this stuff, but it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been through these stages. Maybe you're, you're past the starting time. You're through the times of preparation and testing. You've done some fighting, and maybe you're holding on but there's still time for more. We have, haven't yet received everything that God has promised us. There are more things to come, more battles to fight, more victories to win, more land to possess. There are exciting new phases ahead for every one of us. Be encouraged, friends. God is on our side. God is with us, and he will bring it to pass. And, you know, if, if you're included in any of those categories that I've mentioned. I'm very happy to pray with people while we're having... Do we get coffee at the end? No. Or do we have that at the beginning? Did I miss it? <laughs> well, whatever we do at the end of the meeting, um, during that time, I would be very happy to pray with people, talk to people, and so would other of your leaders as well, I am sure. But let's believe God. Let's take hold of his promises and let's see them fulfilled. Glory to his name. Amen.